0: You're listening to the All Indie Writers Podcast with host Jennifer Mattern, helping serious freelancers, bloggers, and indie authors go pro. Hello and welcome. I'm Jen Mattern, and you are listening to the All Indie Writers Podcast. Thank you for joining me today. This is episode number 30. You can find show notes and related links for this episode at dot slash podcast slash 30. Today we have a slightly different kind of episode. It was inspired by a question from a community member. I had recorded a solo episode a few weeks back to answer her, but after edits, I just wasn't feeling it. So I pushed it off and decided the topic might be better suited for a guest show. So that's what we have today, a community question series episode technically, but with guest co-host Princess Jones coming back. She and I will briefly tackle that question before we expand more on the general topic of writers sharing personal information that might be on your blog or your social network or in the case of authors that might be in a book that you're writing. And where that sharing of personal information can sometimes cross a line from community building to oversharing where you risk upsetting people and alienating more people than you appeal to. And we thought it would be fun after tackling that question to open things up to the community by letting you guys and gals submit personal questions for us to get to know us better and to push us a little bit and see if you can find our line where we go from being willing to be open with you to wanting to keep certain things private and not feeling it's appropriate to share. And I'll let you know up front, there's actually only one question that neither of us really completely answered. Um, we're both pretty open people. So so we have that. Um, this is a very long episode. So there are two versions. There is an extended cut and there will be a standard cut as well, which is what you're listening to now. The extended cut includes most of the questions we answered. We did still have to cut a few. And the shorter one will simply have fewer of them. The practical advice will stay the same in each. So we have a lot to chat about today. Let's just get right to it with my pre-recorded call with Princess.
1: Welcome back, Princess. Happy to have you again.
2: Thank you for having
1: me. This is based on a question that I had from a community member so the question that I received was this. Okay. I got an email, and this is what she had said. She said, I like how you share personal stories on your blog. I wish I could do that. But when I try to on my blog, I always change my mind at the last minute. I worry clients won't hire me, or people won't like me, or I'll make people I talk about mad. How do you deal with that? How can I be braver and open up on my blog? Or should I just stick to what I'm doing? now this writer i should just note that we connected last fall because of a personal post that i had shared at that point my favorite cat had been battling cancer for about a year and you know at that she passed away in october so it was around that time i think just before she had passed away and i had actually received a lot of emails from readers who had gone through similar things like that was for some reason that particular story really connected with them and she was one of those people um so I know her a little bit, you know we've been in touch now for a while and I also know because I know her that the blog she's talking about where she wants to share more personal stories is a freelance blog. Um so my advice to her is actually pretty simple and that is just to keep doing what she's doing because this is a freelance blog. You should remember that a client-oriented blog is not about you. It is about your clients and solving your prospects problems. So if you have personal insight that does that, then by all means, share it. But don't share personal stories and personal information. Don't be one of those writers who talks about your medical issues and your family issues on a blog that is supposed to be targeting your ideal clients. That's very, very different than trying to build a community on a niche blog or on a blog targeting your colleagues, for example. So that's my advice for her. Um, It's just to keep doing what you're doing. Don't try to get over personal on a client focused blog. But now Princess and I are going to move on unless she wants to weigh in on this first. uh, We're going to move on to the more general issue of niche blogs and social media accounts and your books and sharing personal information. What we mean by that, the benefits of it, the risks. And then we are going to answer some personal questions that were submitted for this episode so, hopefully, it'll be a little fun. You'll learn a little bit about us and maybe find out where our lines are. Um, Princess says she does not have one, so we may put that to the test.
2: It's not possible to find my line. <laughs> not possible. Um, I agree with the advice you gave her because, it's exactly for the reason that you said, because this, the purpose of this blog is to bring in clients. And even if your personal stories do not paint you in a bad light, you will seem off-topic. Um, if it works for what you're talking about, then that's fine. But if you're sharing things that are personal just because they're personal, then it, it, it becomes disorganized. On my, on my business blog, I shared a story about trying to get a gym membership and them trying to upsell me to get a, so I could get free tanning. And I'm a black person. They continue to like even though I was polite and said no thank you. They continue to try to upsell me by continually describing how good tanning would be for me and how I could keep this nice brown color of mine by tanning. <laughs> okay, wow. now I use that as a tool to talk about marketing benefits and and how we have to tailor them to each person and each situation or each company that we're dealing with because not everybody's marketing benefit is exactly the same. So that was fine for me to share myself. Had I just decided I want to talk about going to the gym, (laughs) this would not be a – it was illustrative. That's what I mean to say. It was illustrative. It was was a great way to show them the story rather than just tell them the information they needed.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great example. We're going to talk now about the – Benefits of opening up a bit personally on your blog and social media accounts, and that is a really great example of a benefit. You know, you were able to use it to illustrate something that was a value to your readers in a business capacity, and so that's you know, if you can do that, that's great. And one of the big benefits of opening up personally like that with these kinds of stories is that it sets you apart from other bloggers in your specialty area or you know whatever we're talking about here, if you're a freelancer or an author, because nobody else has those same stories that's you that's the way to inject some personality it's a way to make your content more unique so as long as you're comfortable with it and it works towards your larger goal in some way that's a huge benefit of allowing yourself to open up mm-hmm. so what would you say do you, can you think of any other benefits that you would say about well, getting them to open up a little bit at least
2: For me personally, my personality is a part of my brand. I bill myself as someone that is enjoyable to work with, that thinks outside the box, that sees things a little bit differently than everyone else. When I write guest posts, I write about how Batman and Robin can help your marketing (laughs) communication. I write about how to tell your client that Michael Jackson is dead. Like, I write things that are not outside the normal. So... Sharing my personality is always helpful because people get to know me. I have landed clients based on that personality. I have a good personality. Okay, you <laughs> do. If I <had> a bad one, keep bad having one, you this, back. <laughs> this would not be what we should do. Like this is a this would be a bad idea if I had an abrasive, confrontational um, a personality that most people didn't like. It, I would be doing less of that. But because my brain is built on that. Um, even the copy on my website is the tone shows you the type of person I am, the type of stuff I'm going to write for you. I am someone who deals a lot with humor. I am someone who who doesn't take things so seriously. So if you are looking to do a bank brochure that's very um, that's very stiff or matter of fact or needs to be very serious, I am not going to be the copywriter for you, and that's okay because, if I am not the right person for the job. I don't want the job.
1: Yeah,
2: exactly. That's a good point. So, yeah, so I, I think that that benefits me a lot. That people feel like they know me through my social media, through my blogging, through my website because I inject personality and personal things into them. Again, um, I I think it should be relevant. I don't all I don't try to fit in, you know, what I'm watching on TV if it's not relevant to what I'm talking about. But When it is relevant, they they get a whole picture of me.
1: And that's, you know, that relevance is really important when we're talking about freelancing specifically. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the biggest benefits I've noticed here as a niche blogger, um, not dealing with my client site, is that sharing personal stories has really opened up the community a lot. I get Mm -hmm. more email subscribers. I get more emails from those subscribers who are like, oh, my God, I'm so glad somebody's talking about this. Um, Again, when the cat was going through cancer and I was talking about it on Twitter and on the blog occasionally, not all the time, but, you know, often enough, the people were like, you know, they've been through that, they understood, they could relate, they felt for me or maybe some people, their pets were having medical issues after her. So they would come to me to ask, how are you coping with that? Because I'm Mm -hmm. struggling and it really, it lets people know you're human and yes. that you're not all business all the time. And for me, that was important because I had spent so much time building more of that, you know, tough line, tough love kind of image in certain niches where it was, it was hard to open up at first.
2: Um, Especially about something so sad and vulnerable. Um, yeah. It's not like, yeah. it's not like you're talking about something that was a very neutral thing. You're, you know saying, this is unhurting and this is why. Yeah.
1: And I know a lot of freelancers, you know, we're home all day, all, a lot of us with pets. So we see our pets more than a lot of people do when they're going away to a typical day mm-hmm. job. And so I figured that was the kind of thing that a lot of them could relate to. And they did. It kind of surprised me how much. But it was it was helpful. You know, and after, You know, I talked about my health issues. And again, people opened up. They were not dealing with mm-hmm. the same issues. That I had dealt with for years, but in teaching them how I got through that without losing my business, um, they found it helpful for some reason. So, yay. (laughs) And and, they would come to me and share their stories privately. And, again, it's just nice. You get to know them on a different level, and they feel like they know you more, and then they trust you more and are willing to open up. And it's, it's just a really nice interaction. So, for me, that was really the big thing. And you know, for this kind of personal story, again, you mentioned vulnerability. I don't like being vulnerable (laughs) to other people. I do not. It it was really, (laughs) 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 it's really hard for me to put myself in that position. Um, I'm getting better at it, but it's still tough. I don't trust people so well. Um, Actually, we're going to get to that with one of the questions (laughs) that somebody (laughs) asked later. Um, But I should also know that when we're talking about personal sharing it's not just these personal stories about your life it's also being able to share your opinions and not Mm -hmm. be afraid to have an opinion about something yeah that's not hard for me that part i've got that down (laughs) (laughs) that part i've got covered um but again it's about showing people that it's not just facts and figures and you parroting things you have something to say and Mm -hmm. you have views You really thought about things and it gives them some insight into how you think. And again, it's just about, it's about connecting with people.
2: People feel like uh, if they take a stand one way or the other, that they'll lose out depending on which way the wind blows. But I always respect people who take a position and it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that they have to always be right, but I respect them as saying, this is how it looks right. And it's okay if later on you come back and say, listen, I've seen this, this and this, and now I believe this. That's okay too. But I hate those people that sit on the fence and just kind of look and see which way the wind's going to blow. And, I mean, those are really wishy-washy people. One of the things that I have had to learn over the years, especially about social media, not so so much about blogging, is that, like, let's say Twitter. People use Twitter. Brands don't use Twitter. Like, that's a person tweeting. So even though there are some sites or some accounts that are very uh, brand-specific, and that's okay, the truth is is that, is that if you're an independent worker, you're a solopreneur, you work on your own, and it's you running it, it's okay to be a person. It's okay to, like, I used to try all the time, oh, my God, for years I went back and forth, I would have, like, brand accounts and then a personal account, and then I would realize that all my tweeting was happening on a personal account, and the brand accounts would get, like, uh, would have things like, um oh... They'd just be really dry <laughs> they, yeah. because I was because I was so focused on just staying on brand, staying on brand, staying on brand. And I realized that people, although they may follow those those accounts, they have they interact much more with, with an account that is a full 360 person, yeah. and that you are talking about things. Again, I have a certain brand for the whole thing, but that I'm trying to stay on point with. But I'm not just saying read this, read this, read this, or let's talk about marketing all day long. I'm talking about a lot of different things, and I think for me that's been helpful for me to be as authentic as possible. Not everything is supposed to be – I know I don't have any lines, but my family (laughs) members do.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. And friends, that's you, know, you and I that's a good segue. Respect
2: those lines. That's <laughs> so.
1: that's a good segue into the risks though. You know, one of those oh, yeah. big risks, the big risk is that A you could alienate some of your readers or followers, but mm-hmm. you could also really piss off your friends and family if you're sitting there oh, naming yeah. them or talking about them and their kids and kids are my line. I don't believe mm-hmm. in sharing personal information about children, their names, their photos publicly because they don't have any say in that and nothing you post online is ever really gone and that's a big that's a big problem for me i would never Mm -hmm. do that to my nieces and nephews that's
2: it's i can't can't do that without your permission though yeah that's
1: exactly would not happen absolutely no so yeah that's that's my big line
2: i only post funny things about my husband i do not post I have learned to leave my Twitter fingers alone when I'm angry. <laughs> no one wants to hear about us arguing over who's going to eat this sandwich. That's not cute. <laughs> so, although I'm not, I'm not like, you know, afraid that people know about it. I also realize that uh, my audience does not care about it. No, yeah. so, <laughs> let's not, you know, let's not. And also my husband does care. He does care very much. Yeah. He doesn't want me posting crazy pictures of him. He does not want me telling his secrets. I don't have any secrets. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, I don't think anybody else has any either. So, so I'm, throughout our marriage, I've gotten very, much better at filtering, not for myself necessarily, but for other people. Clients, I never tell clients uh, information unless I've gotten permission to, to post about something I've done for them. But if I don't have it like, And understanding, I don't, I, I don't say I've worked for someone, and that's just because some of the stuff I do is very private, some ghostwriting things. I don't talk about bad client experiences on social media. Now, that's not to protect the person, the, the the problem I'm having. That's not really to protect that person. It's to make sure that the way I present things is done as mutually as possible. I don't want someone to, I mean, I don't want someone to go down my Facebook page and go, oh, well, here she is complaining about this client and this client and that client. How many clients are they going to get to before they're like, oh, she complains about clients a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Last night, a show premiered that I really love. It's called Flipping Out. Um, It's a reality show with a guy who does um, real estate development and flips and remodels in, Like Southern California. It's a great show. I love it to death. He's abrasive. And every year he has like five fights with clients. Like on-air fights with clients. And I was just watching it last night and I said to myself, I'd probably never hire him. (laughs) 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 I know he keeps doing business somehow, but I keep thinking to myself, I would think, I've seen you in so many nasty fights with clients. Why would I want to put Like, I can see how you get when you're upset with someone. So why would I put myself in that position?
1: Yeah. I can only think of one that I've ever complained about publicly, and that was a network that I had worked for as an editor. And that was because I had very publicly promoted them and brought other Mm. writers in. And because I work for newer writers, it was very important to me that I – let people understand why my views on the company changed and that I do not endorse them anymore. And it was, it was, it was a big thing at the time. Um, but that, that was many, many years ago too.
2: Um, that was only right though. You should have done that because you, because you yeah. spent some time saying do this and now you want to be like, Hey guys, I've yeah. seen some different things. I don't want to tell you. <laughs> exactly. And I yeah. don't,
1: look, I'm not one of those people who's going to just change their mind and then go delete the old posts and things. I want you to oh, understand why. I hate that. that I do too. And so I want you to understand if my view changed, there's a reason for it and I want to let you know why. Mm-hmm. Especially if yeah. I advise you to do something. So, yeah. um, so the, you know, the last risk I should, well, actually before I get to the last risk, um, you know, we're talking about alienating people here. I should just, point out that it's okay to lose some readers and followers you Mm -hmm. are going to have fluctuations the key is making sure that you have a net gain so for example when i post these personal things i see far more unsubscribers from my email list than when i post anything else except for rants occasionally but the funny thing is (laughs) about (laughs) both personal updates and the big rants i might lose more people but over those next few days i tend to see a huge influx of new subscribers that far outnumber the ones i lost and those are the people who mm-hmm. are finding that content through my social media promotion and such so they're finding me for the first time through those posts and they really like it and it's encouraging them to subscribe and i find mm-hmm. that more people like it and subscribe than don't like it and unsubscribe right. so you need to right. you know so you know, play with it and see, you know, how your audience reacts. If you're losing more than you're gaining, then, yeah, you know, you might be going off track a little bit.
2: Sometimes people, you know how people go on these subscribe, these subscribe, you know, things, and they just subscribe all kinds of things. They show up at your site, they subscribe subscribe right away. But they are not really looking, or they're not the person that you are writing for. And they realize this once they get something that's very, uh Core, like, for you, Jennifer, you rant a lot, okay? <laughs> you have. You're you you're somebody who just says, this is how it is, and let me tell you, and no, I'm not sorry. <laughs> so <laughs> if you have a bunch of people that have subscribed that are very, like, um, I don't know, sensitive to that, or they're just yeah. those types of people that think that any type of strong stance is negativity, you know, Like, as soon as you say something's wrong, then they're like, oh, you're just being negative. No, I'm actually being right. I'm telling (laughs) you. So, if they're that type of person, they're not, they don't need to subscribe to you, to be honest. They just don't, because you're not going to deliver the information the way they need it. So, for me, I always, when I get those unsubscribed, or people stop following me, or whatever it is, I say to myself, what was it that caused this? I look at it, and if it's something that's a core tenant for my brand or for, for whatever brand is um, representing at that point, I'm like, okay, then. This is not one of the people that should have been subscribing personally.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, the last risk I think we should emphasize, I kind of touched on this when I was talking about my line being with kids and sharing information about them, is mm-hmm. safety concerns. I've, I tend to piss people off, and I don't want Go them going after somebody that I care about because of that. And, you know, I've had Mm -hmm. crazy people. I've had um, the one example I usually share is back when I was moderating a big webmaster forum, somebody got banned for scamming people. And for some reason, I was the moderator he reached out to. I was not the one who even banned him. Um, But he tracked down my home address and my, my (gasps) my cell phone number. And he said, if I didn't reinstate his account immediately, he was going to destroy my life and my business. And he knew where I lived and was going to come. And and it was it was awful. It was crazy. And but because of that experience, I learned early on not to share that kind of information because look, don't mm-hmm. share don't share your home address, get a fucking PO box or oh, something. Absolutely. Um I don't want people showing up if you're at my freelancing, house. Freelancing
2: you should you should have something like that anyway because yeah especially if you um incorporate yourself or even if you've only got a BBA, you need people can just that's public information. People can just look you up and show up at your house uh Sunday morning at three o'clock in the morning and knock on the door. If you if you are Working as a business, you need to have a mailing address that is not your house. Well, yeah, your
1: your safety should be a big concern in what you share. Jennifer, don't share your address.
2: <laughs> Jennifer, I don't even let some of my relatives know where I live. My house, <laughs> I mean, I completely understand how you feel. I, I I have a Google Voice number because I don't want people to know my real phone number. I don't want people, like, I just, that's just how I am. And I think that when you give up your privacy When you're talking about personal things, you have to be careful about what the the consequences of that might be. Showing pictures, like I show pictures of my dog, that's probably it. (laughs) Yeah, nothing else. Once it's out of the bottle, you can't get it back in there. Yeah. Um,
1: So let's let's move on to you know we had asked people to submit personal questions for us to you know we figured just because of the topic of the conversation, a we would allow ourselves to open up a little bit if there was something you want to know that we aren't already talking about Um, but Uh also to give listeners and blog readers a chance to kind of push our limits and see if they can find where our lines are on certain topics so I don't think any of them are too too crazy but let's start going through them let's start with the easiest question this one came in from Matthew he wants to know what we're currently reading and what our favorite books are
2: so go ahead and tell us. Okay. Right now, <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> right now I am reading the Queen Diva, Big Frida's um, biography. <laughs> she, if you don't know who she is, she's a bounce artist. I mean, she's a man, okay? She's a, she doesn't identify as a woman. But she's sort of a drag queen, and she is native to New Orleans. Um, my favorite books are fantasy usually, and I like a lot of biographies because I'm real I like what people are doing. So um, <laughs> my favorite book ever is called The Hero and the Crown, and it's written by Erin McKinley. I told a story about this on the first podcast I was on, so you guys should go back to that one. I'll link to, to it, it for
1: them. Yeah.
2: I'm a crazy person, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
1: I'm currently reading um, – I'm usually reading fiction and nonfiction at the same time. Right now the nonfiction I'm getting through is called Wired for Story, That is going to be the first book I review on the blog. I just put up a list of business books. Um, I will link you to that list in the show notes as well, in case you want to read along. These are not specifically writing books for the most part. This one kind of is a little more. Um, But books I think that writers should read. And I just started reading a very short novel from Sharon McCrum. This was a Twitter follower recommended it when I asked for some humorous reads. It's called Bimbos of the Death Sun. Uh-huh. My favorite is a collection of Tennyson's work. I am mm. obsessed with Tennyson. I just, I don't know, send me to the lake. Let me just sit under the <laughs> trees reading Tennyson. That's thats a good day to me. So, <laughs> But Aww. yeah, I'm a big fan. I remember in high school, we were assigned to recite a short poem. Um, not recite it, but memorize it. Decided I was going to memorize Ulysses. So that was a. That, that was sounds a
2: like you. That sounds like <laughs> you.
1: I haven't changed like, all that much. Short,
2: Get a short poem. You're like, Ulysses.
1: <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, that was typical Jen fashion. <laughs>
2: so, so yeah, Tennyson, a... Tennyson.
1: Tennyson, any day. All right. So then Lori, she asked a few questions. I'm going to split them up among the others here. Um, but her first one is what one thing about you would you not ever want your clients to find out?
2: (laughs) I I think that the one thing I wouldn't want them to know is my real schedule. Like I don't want them to know that like when I had a client contact me on Christmas Eve, the truth was I was doing absolutely nothing. But if he had really (laughs) known that he would have like tried to get me to work and even when I'm doing nothing, it's still my time. Exactly. So, yeah, I hide things like that from my clients.
1: <laughs> I don't blame you at all for that. That's a good one. <laughs> um, I have days where, you know, I don't care. I might see that email from you, and I, I know that you think it's super urgent, but I know it's not, and I'm not going to exactly. answer you at 10 p.m. when you're not supposed to know that I'm still looking at my computer.
2: <laughs> yes. Do you know how many times I laugh at the word urgent? I was like, you may think this is urgent, but I'm closing yeah. it because it's not. <laughs> yeah.
1: I would say the one thing that I wouldn't want them to know is how boring I think their projects are. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I'm very oh easily my God. bored. I really just am not passionate about some projects. It's not most, thankfully, but when the client is really super excited about something and I just want to get it over with and they won't shut up about it and Mm. you know you get them on the call you have a few questions and they just won't stop talking because they're so thrilled with themselves and
2: they're like oh this is gonna change everything you're like nope i did three (laughs) projects like this this week
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's not often but that that would be the thing i i've gotten very good at hiding it and Mm -hmm. keeping my enthusiasm up for them but it's not always easy all right so kathy sent in another question um she wants to know, she said, what is the last personal revelation you read that made you cringe, figuring that takes a lot, and why did it? So so basically, as a reader, did you ever come across something that was too much, or is there something that you already know you'd never do, say, or share?
2: I recently read an article. I'm um, in a Facebook group full of writers, and they help each other find, like, work and they they share things. And through that group, I found that one member of the group had written about a friend being mentally ill and how she she was supposed, how killing herself was the best thing she could do.
1: Oh, my God.
2: And, right. So, I mean, lots of people suffer from mental illness, from something as mild as mild depression to ADHD to schizophrenia. Just tons of that. Mental illness covers a lot, you know? Yeah. And basically the whole point of the essay was that the person was better off dead than they were alive. Oh, my God. And not only is that it, it has, I mean, I believe it was on Exo Jane, and Exo Jane had to take it down. Wow. Um, not only was the point of the essay ridiculous, like just ridiculous. I, mean, I want to know who read that and thought this needs to be seen and read. But the entire thing was a navel-gazing expedition, right? It was just, I don't know. I, I i not only do writing for clients, I also write for publication. So I am, like, in this industry where essays have become, like, more popular than ever and not reporting. Yeah. And I write essays, too, but I just find that a lot of times when I'm reading them, they are about nothing. Nothing. Yeah. There's no revelation. There's no points. There's no overarching theme or something that, that's universal to us all. It's just about what you ate today. And I found that most of the essays went that. And it was just like, you know, I guess when you, when you have, like, uh, writing teachers, I guess one of the things they always tell you is at the end of what you've written, the question is, so what? And I find so much writing that, what, that type of essay writing at the end, when you ask so what, the answer is nothing. And this was the type of that. And then at the end, we asked, "So what?" The answer was, "So good thing she said." And I was just like, "This is." I mean, we we all have terrible thoughts. Yeah. We're not. No one's perfect. I mean, if there was a running commentary of my thoughts, you, I would probably never get a job. No one would be around mm-hmm. me. I think the worst things in the world. But I can say that before I put things to page, I definitely try to figure out what this is bringing to the world and whether this is something that other people need to know or whether this is something other people need to read. And so it was terrible. But it it was on XO Jane and they had to take it down. Uh, It was like people were like, and they had pitchforks. People were like protesting and I happened to read it before. And I was just like, oh, my God, I wish no one ever told me this existed. Yeah.
1: Wow. See, that makes my example look pretty mild. (laughs) (laughs) um you know i like i already mentioned what my big limit was which is the the kids issue i don't believe in posting any personal information about kids um but when it comes to being a reader um there was an example it was another freelance writer and this was years ago i don't even remember who she was now um it was somebody that i had followed for a long time at that point and i stopped reading her blog because all of a sudden she was talking a lot less about writing which is what the blog was supposed to be about and she kept talking about her marital problems, and then oh. her separation, and then her divorce, and after the divorce, then it was all about like bashing the husband. And I was like, "This is just too much, and this is totally irrelevant to what this blog was supposed she to be was about." She even to
2: make it relevant, or was the title? No, saying, no, it I'm was literally it was wild.
1: just yeah, it was just like bashing her ex. And oh, yeah, wow. you know, he might have done awful things, and that's fine. But your colleagues don't need to hear that. And if you're going through a legal, you know, you have kids, you got a custody battle and things. And did your lawyer t- not tell you that this is a bad idea? And it got to the point where like, it felt like all she was trying to do was rile people up to support her and say how awful her ex was. And all I kept thinking is someday your kids are going to be able to see this. I don't think it's fair to judge him based on just that one side of the story. And it it, like as a reader, then it just made me very uncomfortable to feel like I was almost being used. Like she was trying to, you know, exactly turn this audience exactly. against someone. I, I don't, I don't like that at all. And we talked yeah. about that in our previous show about authors doing that with their audiences, their readers when they get negative reviews. And again, we'll link to that show in the in the show mm-hmm. notes for this episode. Um, where people, they, they try to turn their readers into this mob to support them and to go after someone else. And I just, I, I can't do that. I can't imagine wanting to do that. And I don't know. Like, I don't know. That, that was a, that was a big line for me. So, you know, Kathy, that's what makes us cringe. That makes me cringe when I feel like your yeah. sharing is being done to manipulate me into that woe is me, support me get behind me that kind of stuff that makes me cringe a lot um so let's move on so our next questions we have a series of short ones that came in in these last few days um first one somebody had asked for me the next one is definitely all for you so um first an old Uh friend (laughs) an old friend had uh, dm'd me on twitter when he heard about the podcast and he asked why i don't ever talk about american sports on twitter (laughs) (laughs) um apparently i I only talk about definitely (laughs) you (laughs) i only talk about european soccer and i don't talk about american sports because american sports bore me (laughs) that's really all it is um i'm not into most of them i can sit through baseball but only if i'm at the stadium i don't like watching it on tv i find that just insanely boring can't stand american football um, not into basketball. Haven't been into hockey for a very long time. Um, and then there's American soccer. Um, even that I find incredibly just so, so boring. I can't sit through a match. And, and it's funny because I was just talking to another writer. Um, I think it was Edward Bayman who featured in an interview series on the blog recently about the difference in fan culture in Europe and in America with sports. And that's really what it comes down to, I think, is when I watch, you know, for example, when I watch English soccer, English football, um, the fans are so into it. And the same thing with um, the German league um, and Bundesliga matches. It's the fans. They are so into it and so loud. And I just, oh, my God, it sucks you in. I love that. And then I remember I tried to put on the local, the Philly soccer team once and they're playing in a half-empty stadium, and no one's making any noise, and it feels like you're watching a freaking oh. yeah, it's like watching a high school game. I was—I like, can't do it. I just can't do it. So that's why I don't tweet about American sports. I can't sit hmm. through them. <laughs> Next one's well, for you. I'll
2: tell you why I don't. Oh, wait, I'll tell you why I don't tweet about sports is because <laughs> I don't watch any of them. The only sports <laughs> I recognize are America's Next Top Model and RuPaul's Drag Race. Those are the only sports I recognize in the world. All
1: right. So the next question was: It has to be for you. Um, it was an anonymous one. It came in saying, "How did you get your name?" <laughs> sh- Other than my parents gave it to me. <laughs> How'd you get your name? Oh yeah, my parents.
2: My parents gave it to me too. <laughs> That's how I got mine too. <laughs> um, Princess is my grandmother's name. So. Uh, when my father, when my father was in high school, his, his father died recently and his mother died when he was in high school. And so, uh, he was just about to graduate and, um, he has a young, he has an older brother who was fine, but his younger sister was an orphan at this point. She had to go to foster care. Uh-huh. So, but they told him he could have, he could like take custody of his sister if he was like, if he was like married. So this is like, 1980, okay, or 1979, whatever. So he was like, okay, well, I just need to get married. So he was out walking his dog, and my mom was walking a dog, and he was like, hey. And they met each other, and they talked for a few minutes, and he was like, I'm looking to get married. <laughs> and they did. I mean, I don't know what the hell is going on with my mom, but she was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. <laughs> and so they got married, and, like, they, uh they – Took in my aunt and then like, uh, four or five months later, here I come. And my dad was like, oh, let's name her after my mother. And so my mother, my grandmother's name was Princess. And there we go. That's it. Wow. I mean, it's not, I will say that my parents and my family do not call me Princess because, uh, it's my grandmother. It was my grandmother's name. Okay. So, uh, my middle name is Cherie, and they call me that. And my mom calls me her Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Because <laughs> everybody in my family is dark skinned and I am not, and she said I seemed like the peanut butter and the Reese's peanut butter cups <laughs> on the barrel of chocolate. Aww.
1: So she would call me
2: that, and it's. In fact, she didn't even tell me my name was Princess. Like, I mean, like, sit down and explain it to me. She didn't like <laughs> until I started school, I, and I didn't go to high, kindergarten or preschool. I I went to first grade. That's where I started, and it was the first day. My mom was sitting there, and she's getting me dressed, and she says oh, and today people are going to call you princess.
0: I was like, why?
2: And she goes, well, don't you know that's your name. So she's like, when you get to school and if someone yells out princess, that's you. And I was like, oh, oh, this is, this wow. is surprising. And so I get to school, and this little girl, they introduce us all, and this little girl asks me, if the mailman brings gold and silver to my house. Aww. And I was like, why would he do that? She's like, well, <laughs> you're a princess. And I was like, oh, my God, you are so confused. <laughs> no. Aww. So, I mean, in, as I was when I, when I was a kid, it was really hard for me because people would be so, I don't know, people have a certain expectation of someone named Princess. Yeah. They really do. If you show up and your name is Princess, you should be, like, very girly, And you should be, like, I don't know, I guess spoiled or something. Yeah. But that's really not my my deal. And I'm not very serious about things. And so it took me a long time to get to the point where it does not matter if you are expecting this type of princess. I am my own type of princess, and you just have to really get used to it. And other than that, just getting used to people saying really dumb things to me all the time or stopping me or – laughing when I say my name on the phone. Like, oh, once I called to get a dog fixed. And they were like, what's the name of your dog? And I said, no, they said, what's your name? And I said, Princess Jones Curtis, because you know, we talked about this on your blog. My legal name, ma- I got married and I added my husband's name to the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, the woman said, oh, no, that's your dog's name. <laughs> I was like, "This doesn't <laughs> My voice went down like six octaves. I'm like, "This is my name." I'm just trying to get this dog fixed. <laughs> She's like, "Oh, oh, I'm sorry." So what I do now is like, if I go to a Starbucks or Panera or someplace that asks you what your name is, I'll tell them my name is like Michelle. And this way they won't ask me about it or, like, yell it out and then have people comment on it. But then what happens is that then they go, Michelle, and I'll be like,
0: mm-hmm,
2: <laughs> Michelle. <laughs> I'm I'll, I'll like, oh, my God, I wish this Michelle would come get her a drink. Jeez. And finally someone has to point at me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's me. That's me. <laughs> so I think I've gotten used to it. But at the same time, it's still causing a little terror in my life. <laughs> All right, Uh, Kate wanted to know
1: who our favorite fictional character is. That's hard to... It's a tough
2: one. I don't know, that's hard to... That's a tough one, because it could be, if you're anything. I will say, I can't pick one, but I will say I really like characters with smart mouths, ballsy, who... And I like the ones that say what I think, because although I don't really have a filter, I really... I try to respect other people's lines, so... I like the characters that don't even care about other people's belongings they're just like, bam, <laughs> there you go and so and in these fictional worlds, they usually don't suffer any consequences from doing that, so they cross with people's boundaries and they don't care, and I also like um I like funny characters i I don't think there's anything more I don't think there's anything better than someone that can make someone laugh, yeah,
1: oh, yeah, I like um yeah it's a tough one. I couldn't just settle on one um. And I can't even explain why I like them necessarily or, and I feel like there's probably a better one that I'm forgetting. So I feel bad picking one. <laughs> um, but you know, as far as female character goes, I always, you know, I grew up as a kid loving Anne Shirley from the Anne of Green Gables books. Um, yeah, awesome. I, I just loved her. Anne with I loved the that e. character. Yes. <laughs> I just, I, I loved that character. I really identified with her when I was a kid and, so I think that's why it just kind of stayed with me. It's like I didn't read a lot of, you know, kid kind of books. I moved very quickly Yeah, yeah very quickly from things like, you know, the Anne Green Gables books and Beverly Cleary and things like that and Judy Bloom. I went right from that to Stephen King and Michael Crichton and Anne Rice. Uh-huh. Like there was no yeah. transition. And um so I didn't have a lot of the typical you know, kid characters that I really identified with, but I had her. And so, yeah, so, and Shirley. Now, when I got older, though, I would say favorite character is probably Mr. Darcy. I'm a
2: Darcy girl. Great character. I I never got it. I'm just like, like, you guys either get married or don't. It doesn't matter if you marry that guy or (laughs) this guy. It'll be the same. It doesn't really matter. It's like, I was just, I was so over it. <laughs> no, I, I love it. I
1: love him so much. And I think all men should Come have on. to read Pride and Prejudice because when they ask, well, we don't understand women, we don't know what women want. It's like, that is what women want. Well, not you. <laughs> not the broodiness. Not the broodiness. But you can't like,
2: quite put a, put a finger on yeah. what it is. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I think it's just the whole, you know, he's a good guy, but he's got the rougher exterior and he doesn't try to play hero and save her all the time like she's definitely her own independent strong character and he you know gets that and respects that and it's just I don't know I like that interaction and um so I don't know I get, maybe it's partly because I tend to be a more dominant personality in relationships that that mm-hmm. strong silent type really appeals to me someone who kind of lets me be that but who can step in, be in control? You know, has that side of themselves where they're that stronger personality too. And you know, I don't know. There's just there's just something. I don't know.
2: I don't know. I love Darcy any day. When you're a strong personality, people think that what you want is someone who, who you can dominate. But that's not the truth. You no. want someone who's your equal. Because exactly. if you can dominate someone, you'll run right over them. Exactly. And once I've run over you, you're no fun. So <laughs>
1: exactly. Like, you want to Yeah. <laughs> Exactly I, you know a guy who can kind of challenge me, not somebody who's constantly trying to fight with me, but who keeps me intellectually stimulated, who can make me think about things in a different way. And I think Darcy is that kind of character in that sense. and I think that's why it's always he's always appealed as character to me. but so yeah, I love him. But let's move on now. we have Lori's final question, and I think this is the only question I'm actually not going to answer. Um, Lori wanted to know, who in the writing community really pisses you off and why? And I jokingly told her my answer is going to be Lori Widmer for asking this question. Um, but I'm going to let you take that first if you want to answer it, and then I'll explain why I'm
2: not going to name names. Well, I mean, honestly, I don't have as many people as you do <laughs> like, for the most part. I literally, I literally don't care about other people. So, like, I mean, I I've, things have happened, and I've been like, oh, you seem ridiculous. But I've never – I like, I almost don't even realize things are going on because I'm just not that interested. And that makes it sound terrible, but it's not – I'm trying to – I don't know how to say it other than that. I just think to myself, okay, if you're going to do that over there, that's fine. I just won't be over there, and then it, it never <laughs> – occurs to me again what bothers me the most is when people present themselves as experts and what they are is someone who just has 10 more minutes of experience than you do or 10 more minutes of information than you do now i think the difference i think between us is you know
1: you come at it more from the perspective of being a writer whereas um lena laurie knows who pisses me off so she i know what she was fishing for um but and you probably do too um, but for me, it's coming from the perspective of somebody who works with newer writers and who tries to help newer writers Yes. where the people who piss me off, That's and like, right. there are only two or three. They're the people who come in and try to manipulate or use those newer writers, or they lie to them, or they're out there just trying to get money from them without actually teaching. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's that group who comes in pretending to be an expert. It's something that they're not. And you might think that these are just the new writers. And there's one in particular that really fucking gets under my skin lately, who came in with like a year of experience offering eBooks and courses on how to be a successful freelancer. And it's like, sweetheart, you don't have a fucking clue yet how to be a successful freelancer. The only thing that you're good at right now is knowing how to promote a false image of yourself. That is not the same thing as running a successful freelance business. And... The problem is when they're appealing you to even newer people, they don't know that immediately and they buy it. Right. And then it's just like becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy where they've called themselves an expert and now all these people believe it and their friends call them that. And it's just, it keeps feeding itself, but yet it's, it's infuriating. And those are the type of people that piss me off. And it's not always those new ones though. It's some, you'd be surprised people who have been around a while who have, either lied about experience. You know, I've caught people who have posted a guest post on some big site for attention and then where they made one claim and then they've gone to their own blog and they made a completely different claim. Like the numbers are completely fucking different within a week, um, like crazy shit. Like people lie to get attention. They say whatever it is they think is gonna make you think they're an expert, gonna make you sign up or buy whatever it is they're offering. People who have ripped off their other colleagues, You know, the quieter ones who have been there doing the actual work and just, I just, I have absolutely no patience for it, and so yeah, people like that are the ones who piss me off, and it's not always the brand new ones, it might be people that you think have been around doing it for a while, and in reality, they've just been really good at this game for a while, um, so those are the type of people, but I'm not going to name names, I'm going to tell you why, because in the past, I have in private conversations, and I said, you know, I'll talk about it with a few people, like if I know that a particular colleague is being ripped off by somebody or being abused by someone in some way, one of these types of people, um, I'll talk to them about it privately. Um, And word does get around in that sense. But I don't generally talk about it publicly because there was an incident quite a few years back where there was someone like this in the freelance writing community. And the problem was, anytime someone would speak out and point out their hypocrisy or point out their lies or their conflicts of interest or anything else and how they were using brand new writers or manipulating them because they were targeting these absolute newbies they were able to rile them up with this woe is me everybody's out to get me kind of bullshit to make these new writers sympathize with them who didn't know any better and they weren't there to see everything this person had been doing for years And so what happens is they rile them up like little minions to start going after the people who speak up. And frankly, I just don't have the fucking time for that anymore. So the way I see it is it doesn't help anybody for me to call someone out by name anymore because, again, they put themselves in the position where these people are so new, they don't know any better. And all they have to do is pull the, oh my goodness, I can't believe so-and-so doesn't like me or said something bad about me. And everybody rushes to defend them instead of actually looking at what's being done and said. And so all it does is it strengthens the position of the people who are out there pretending to be something they're not. And I don't want to play any role in helping to strengthen their position among those newbies. I'd rather just let them pay attention and figure things out over time. And I hope that they can see through the bullshit. Unfortunately, a lot don't. And this is why some of them come running later saying, oh, I listened to so-and-so for a year. I paid for all their courses and ebooks and everything else. And now I feel like I might have to quit because nothing's happening. And it's like, well, I know exactly why nothing's happening because you took bullshit advice from someone who didn't know what the fuck they were yeah. talking about in your specialty. And so, yeah, they got to pay attention. Yeah. And I don't consider it my place to sit there and name names. I consider it your place to do your fucking job and vet you your sources of information. All right, let's that's try it. to move on. We've got we have two more questions, so let's try to move on to these. Um, you had mentioned uh-huh. Yo when when Princess just mentioned Yo, she meant Yolanda Prinzel, and that's actually who our next question comes from. She said, "Is there anything personal you've shared online, perhaps in a moment of weakness, that you later wish you hadn't?" I'll
2: let you run with it first. Other people's business. Um, I'm a good secret keeper, but you gotta tell me it's a secret, <laughs> I, or
0: else I don't think
2: it's. <laughs> Because nothing's a secret to me. Nothing. I don't think secrets exist, so nothing's a secret. So even if you tell it to me, and like if you're not going, listen, this is a secret. I don't know what the secret. So I've shared other people's business, and it's been. I've regretted it because it's hurt them, not me. And okay. I was like, oh, you know, I, I care about the people around me more than I care about, you know, what people think about me. So
1: yeah, that's it. I can't think of anything that's really bad that you know I have any real regrets over um you know mostly just things I guess that have made me a little uncomfortable or maybe feel a little weird like oh my god people are gonna think I'm crazy um that's mostly on my author blog which is ajklinebooks.com for example I post photos there I do a series of um, photo blog posts for story inspiration for other horror writers and in one, I shared a picture of the unfinished nursery, that is the room above my office from when I lost the first pregnancy. And you, know, that was really hard to share. I actually cried writing that post. It was very that was probably Aww. one of the most personal things I ever wrote, and how that was playing a role in the screenplay that I've been working on, because there's a similar scene with um, a nursery after she loses the baby in an attack. And um so that was really hard to write, and I really had to think, you know, long and hard, do I want to publish this? I ultimately decided to, mostly because there aren't really many people reading that blog. Um, So I probably wouldn't have published that on All Indie Writers, um, though I will link to it there <laughs> so you can see it anyway, but most of you still won't find it, so it's okay. So yeah, that was really hard to write, and it, you know, it was because it was a follow-up to another post I had done about that same screenplay and how I had talked to my sister and figuring out that kind of fleshing out that story it's about two sisters and other one loses her baby and um it, I, I don't know I'll link you to both posts so you can read about it if you want to that's one of my works in progress there was that post that, you know those two posts got a little personal and um I guess the only one that made me feel really weird was I shared all right um so I believe in ghosts I didn't used to but I do so um and i explained why on the blog um an incident that well a series of incidents that happened here in this house um the previous owner's wife did die in here um so there was that story and i felt very uncomfortable posting that one because i thought people are gonna think i'm fucking crazy um but much to my surprise Woo-hoo! instead people didn't they started sharing their own stories like we were talking about it on ann wayman's forum about writing about ghost stories and such and I had, you know, shared that post with them there. And much to my surprise, it didn't treat me like I was crazy. They started sharing their own oh. <laughs> stories
2: and experiences. I believe so. Those yeah, so I yeah, think too. I believe there are just so many things in this world that we can't put our finger on. And so yeah. like I like I haven't seen one lately, but listen, if I see one I will be like that I'm not shocked. <laughs> so see, I think that the coolest thing
1: in the world would be to go on a paranormal investigation. <laughs> Like I want to do that really badly. Um, my Ew. cousins, my cousin's father-in-law, <laughs> my cousin's father-in-law is a paranormal investigator, and I I need to follow up with him and his daughter um, about setting something up. I wanted to go and talk to him about like the equipment they use and such for research, you know, for books and short stories and Jen,
2: such. Isn't this um, how like sixty percent of a movie star, someone's like, Let's go investigate something when they should have stayed back at home. None of their business. Um, yeah, if I live in a the house, and there's a ghost in there. I'd be like, This is your house, you know, I want you to kick in on the mortgage. Don't worry, I'm leaving. Oh.
1: My ghost Jennifer. wasn't mine wasn't threatening, thankfully. Um, but it's really oh, good, it was an interesting story and. All the incidents, they actually led me to find something of hers that was left behind when they left. And as soon as I contacted her oh, family God. offering to send it back, everything stopped. So it was really weird. But I'll link to that post, too, so you can read about it oh, if Lord. you're interested. But, like, yeah, you're saying, like, I'd probably die in a horror movie. You're so right. Because between that and I am, like, yeah. I'm a crazy explorer type. Like, I am such an adventurous person. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to go. that. In the next county over, there are old mine shafts.
2: But, yeah you know, like, stuff we're, like that. we're tweeting about this. Well, which one in the horror movie would I be? I'd be like, the one at home, <laughs> watch the news about how these people broke into an abandoned mine and a ghost killed them. And me thinking, hmm, that's interesting. That's the person I am. <laughs> I remember... I remember like, oh, let's get over here and do this. Never heard, it, never heard of it never occurred
1: to me. Never. Like my cousin and I, I took her to um, Centralia, PA, which is, if you've ever um, seen the movie Silent Hill, this was the inspiration mm-hmm. for the setting there. Um, but it's an abandoned town. I mean, I think there's like four or five people who still live there. It, it's really, it's an odd situation. But there's basically these huge coal mine fires under the town. So it's almost a complete ghost town now and uh, i shared a bunch of photos from that again on the author blog um so i'll link to that too um but i dragged her there and so i'm like all i'm like all right this is old abandoned highway section and that was the least interesting part to me the part that everybody goes to and covers with graffiti i didn't really care about that i cared about looking for all the little things like the random steps going nowhere and um i found the old baseball diamond like Somebody had mentioned it on one website at some point and I found it and I was so excited. That was so exciting for me. And I wanted to find the hot zone. You know, get closer to where the burning still is on the outskirts. Well how and, do you know it's the wait, it's
2: so the mines are burning underneath. Uh-huh. How do you know what do you mean the hot zone? Like there's are a there – fire like you can see the fires?
1: Well no, you can't see the fires, but if you hot. go if you go the ground is hot, um Yeah, so we didn't get to the hot zone. Unfortunately, we ran out of time, and I didn't go quite far enough in the right direction. Um, But we want to go back in the fall, because apparently in the fall, or if you go right after a rain, you'll see the steam coming up, Um, and so Mm -hmm. you really got to get there in the right weather condition to find the hot zones, the hot spots. Um, So we're going to go back in the fall for that, But or when it snows. If you go out there, you'll see the melted snow in the hot spots um i don't want to go in the snow because there's a lot of weird like off the road um you know off road involved where you either need an atv or snow or something to get around i'm not going to want to be walking all the way back there i'd prefer to go and i can still take the car as far back as possible um so we want to go back but yeah like that kind of stuff is so cool to me like just exploring these weird things like oh my god i love that um Yeah, like there's sinkholes and things like there's apparently this really big sinkhole in the woods behind one of the cemeteries and I didn't know until after and oh my god I'm going there next time (laughs) we're gonna find it (laughs) but like you know my cousin and I were driving and you know we're driving out and we see this monstrous boulder like huge crazy boulder in the woods on this huge hill and the first thing my cousin says to me is, oh my god, we need to stop there as we're going past again because I want to go climb it. But unfortunately when we, when we stopped, there were other people out there already climbing it. We, we're kind of, you know, like you said, we don't really want to be around other people. Like leave us the fuck alone. We just want to yeah. play. You want so to find the to boulder, the near, the
2: underground mine fire, the <laughs> ghost town, and everything. There's, we're talking, that Yeah, it I might love. die in. But <laughs> But if real people were there, then you're like, nope, nope, abort, abort,
1: abort. <laughs> yeah, that's me. That's me. These people were climbing it with, like, climbing equipment, so we were totally unprepared, and we totally oh, would goodness. have killed ourselves. So, that's yeah, right. so I think we'll have fun in the fall. <laughs> I'll have to remember to wear sneakers. I think I was in flip-flops, too, so I'll have oh, to yeah, dress, yeah, yeah, I'll yeah, dress better. <laughs> so, yeah, I would totally be the one who dies in the harmony. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> yeah,
2: you would be. <laughs> well, I least you line. leave the impression while you're still alive. That
1: was our last question. So okay. to rehash, you know, there can be a fine line between personal sharing and oversharing. And that line's going to vary for everyone, whether that's your line as a writer or blogger or your reader's lines. And, you know, it's okay to lose some readers as long as you aren't losing more than you gain. And just remember, there are some risks, including safety factors, so share carefully and try not to piss off people you love, like sharing pictures of their kids and stuff. So, you know, think it yeah. through. That's all. Um, and I think that's all we have for you today. So a big thank you to Princess for stopping by again. You are always welcome on the show.
2: Anytime.
1: <laughs> and the rest of you, just check back next week when I'll get back to our community question series. Do you want me to tackle something specific in a future episode? If so, you can submit your writing-related questions through the contact form at allindiewriters. dot com slash podcast, by emailing me at jen that's J E N N at allindiewriters. dot com, or by leaving me a voicemail at four eight four five seven five one three four five. You can find show notes and related links for this episode at allindiewriters. dot com slash podcast slash thirty. You can also access this podcast, audio blog posts, and related audio productions by visiting freelancetheater.com.
0: You've been listening to the All Indie Writers Podcast with Jen Mattern, a Freelance Theatre production. Freelance Theatre. It's all writers need for life's little episodes.